This is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. KGVO, Missoula's news and weather station. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It is our number two of the Friday, chilly edition of Talk Back this morning for this January 12th. Talk Back brought to you by Harrington Surgical Supply, where you can feel confident in their discreet and knowledgeable guidance on a multitude of products and medical supplies. Gomer's U.S. diesel parts, especially true now, no matter how cold it gets, they have everything you need to make sure your rig starts every time. Gomer's U.S. diesel parts and service at Palmer and West Broadway. Also brought to you by Y West Storage out of the Y on Two Smokes Way. Find out if the storage is available for you at 406-510-0590 because they're making room for you. And by Phillips Janitorial, residential and commercial cleaning, no matter how cold and no matter how big or small. So give them a call, 406-260-6617. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Hey, welcome back to hour number two of TalkBack this morning. It's going to be City Talk with Mayor Andrea Davis going to be joining us here in just a few minutes. But first, we want to turn to the crime report with Matt Jennings filling in for Kirsten Pabst. Uh, Matt, good morning and welcome, sir. Good morning, Peter. You staying warm? Yes, sir. Absolutely. And how about yourself? Well, not too much. I was just telling Nick, I actually work in an old jail cell and they uh, <laughs> didn't insulate it too well for those inmates back in the day. Well, I hope they let you out in time for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, yeah. Sometimes I look at the uh, the brackets on the outside of my window that used to hold the bars and it can feel a little <laughs> enwrapping. Hmm, interesting. Uh, no, no intimidation there, I'm sure, on, on Kirsten's part. <laughs> All right, go ahead. What, what's, uh, what do you have for us today? You bet, Peter. We're off to a moderate start of the year. We charged 14 felonies this week. Last week, we charged nine, and that's about a 30% kind of reduction of our weekly average. And I was actually looking back at last year's numbers, too, and this was pretty similar to January last year. And the Danes have this term called Higa, which uh, reflects this time of year when the days are really short and it's super cold and you're supposed to hunker down and slow down life. And so maybe that's what the criminals are doing right now. I sure hope so. In our 14 felonies that we charged, uh, four of them are violent crimes. And we usually charge about 50% of our crimes being violent, and so that's a little bit low for the week and always good news to us. We charged three endangerment crimes, and I wanted to highlight that a little bit this week because a couple of those were children being exposed to drugs. And, you know, we, we talk about this all the time. Drugs in our community are really tough, and they're related to a lot of the, the crimes that we see, but we... We often try and get people help, and we acknowledge some of the struggles that people go through. But when kids are getting exposed to stuff, we start taking that really, really seriously because we don't want to see intergenerational issues related to addiction and some of the problems that that causes. So with our three endangerment crimes this week, those were mostly related to children. We had three property crimes, and we had four drug crimes, and that kind of rounds out our total. Within the violent crimes, only one of those was family violence, and that is good to see, actually, because this time of year when folks are kind of crammed together and can't get out or blow off steam if they're having problems in their relationships, we actually see a lot of domestic violence around this time of year, and especially coming out of the holidays, and we didn't this week. So good news to us. We had uh, a couple non-family violence cases, and we did have one uh, sexual intercourse without consent case that was charged in custody, meaning somebody got arrested on it uh, shortly after that happened. And that's a little bit rare for us because usually those cases take a lot of investigation. Uh, but when somebody does perpetrate a crime of that magnitude and gets put into custody, we, we prioritize that as well. 
that kind of uh, rounds out my report today, Peter. All right. So I, I do know that with, with the new year comes a new uh, series of trials and that sort of thing. So uh, uh, d- does the inclement weather uh, hinder that at all, especially with jury selection, things like that? Well, we do uh, we do get some indications from jurors that they have a harder time getting in or uh, certain things can pop up. For instance, I've had juries before where people are like snowplow operators or, or that's one of their jobs and they really can't get off of work. They can't just call in and say, we're not going to you know, plow all these businesses or even roadways. So it happens a little bit, but boy, uh, justice never sleeps, Peter. We just keep going uh, pretty much no matter what's going on with the weather or, or the world. I'll have to remember that excuse. Hey, I'm a snowplow operator. <laughs> <laughs> Mayor Davis. Well, is it wouldn't, it wouldn't have worked very well until this week. She's right? wagging her finger at me. <laughs> well, listen, Matt, it's always a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Peter. Have a good weekend. Stay Take warm. care. Same to you. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Come right back because we do have Mayor Andrea Davis joining us here in the studio this morning, along with Ginny Miriam. This is City Talk. So if you're in the city, you can talk. That's we, we have. Thank you. We, we, we have phones and everything. So uh, anyway, uh, she's here to answer your questions as well as ours. And we have some tough ones. Anyway, 721-1290 is our number. 1-800-568-5309. We'll be right back with City Talk right after this. Snow tapering off today and clearing. Unfortunately, that opens the door for extremely cold temperatures this weekend. Highs today around minus 5, even colder in the outlying areas. Wind chills as cold as 36 below, very, very low for western Montana. Air temperature in Missoula will plunge to 27 below tonight. Wind chills at nearly negative 40. Saturday will be back to zero, but still 21 below by Sunday morning. A 6-degree high Sunday, 18 below Sunday night, with conditions starting to moderate some on Monday. In the Town Square Weather Center, I'm Dennis Bragg. Okay, we are back on top. Talk back. This is City Talk, the City Talk presentation, and we just uh, want to say thank you to our friend Ginny Miriam, who is the uh, communications director for the city, and uh, and Mayor Andrea Davis, who is here in the studio. How are you? Good morning. I'm wonderful. Thank are, you. Are, you you are into your first year now. <laughs> that's, all right. That's right. So 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 the 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 first few awkward weeks are out of the way. Uh, and so tell me, have you, have you settled down to a schedule or uh, how is that working for you? Well, the schedule has settled me down. Okay. How about we say right. that? You bet. <laughs> I think there's been an incredible amount of energy and enthusiasm by Missoulians wanting to meet their new mayor. So honestly, the list has been growing probably since the fall. And um, the Folk, uh, the person we work with in the mayor's office is Heidi Bakula, so folks should know that. Uh, listeners can reach out to her and schedule a meeting with, with me directly. Okay. And she's doing a great job managing, um, the, the, the schedule, and it's a, it's a matter of, uh, internal meetings and meeting with constituents, and it's quite full as you can imagine. I can, yes, that, uh, I, I have tried to call, and, uh, <laughs> I, I get, well, I think we can fit you in between 406 and 40630. <laughs> 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 Something like that. So, now, uh, uh, you had just mentioned, uh, while we're off air, there's a Martin Luther King reading, uh, junior reading today. So tell, tell us about a little bit about that. Yeah. So the uh, University of Montana, the Montana Campus Compact, which is a program on campus that helps students connect with their community in a number of ways through um, civic and, and civil engagement with nonprofits and schools. And so the there is readings. Um, 
with the Hellgate Elementary um, uh, students, and it is a Martin Luther King uh, children's books, and then there's opportunities to uh, do some drawings and some art together. So I'll be out there in the noon hour with um, reading to third graders today. Wow, wow. I, I, I spent a lot of time out at Hellgate Elementary. Doug Rising was a dear friend, and All of course right. he, he is has retired, but um, uh, Doug was an inspiration, uh, just, just an amazing guy, I, absolutely unflappable. And I, I loved uh, all the things that he used to do, and, and and the way they expanded that school over the last 20 years is, is amazing. It really is, and of course, that is something that we'll be working with that school district going forward, and, and of course, Missoula County Public Schools as well. I mean, as Missoula grows, and our neighborhoods grow, and more students um, uh, need and want to go to public school, then we need to, to work with those schools closely. And Hellgate certainly is one of those. They're certainly impacted by the amount of growth that's happening in that part of town. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, th- that, that part of the, the city with the new, uh, development whose name I still can't pronounce, but, uh, uh, it, it is uh, really growing, uh, and, and, and the roundabouts are out there and they're trying to make traffic better for everyone. Yeah. So, you know, th- 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 this is, this is something that all the schools, first of all, I've heard, that uh, even though schools are growing, uh, uh, some of the budgets are having problems right now uh, yeah. because of a lack of enrollment or reduced enrollment. So is that anything that the, the mayor's office uh, can tackle or look at, or is there anything that you're doing about that? Well, we are working with the, the public schools in partnership. You know, mm-hmm. uh, as you know, the city government mm-hmm. doesn't have any direct jurisdictional right. control over um, basically a separate form of government, which is the school districts. Sure. But it is incumbent upon us that we work very closely as partners in working um, together. I think one of the major questions we've answered here by by not only yourself, but also constituents that call in is the, the issue with property taxes. And schools and local government are 100% um, at the table needing to work together to try to figure out a solution going forward. And so for schools, like I mentioned earlier, how the city plans its growth and, you know, to some degree, um, you know, we're kind of bobbing and weaving with uh, sometimes private developers uh, plans and intentions, but the city also can guide and direct development in ways that we collaborate with the school district to make the best outcome that we possibly can for those students. So we have the vested interest in public safety and making sure those kids get to school and, and um, when they go home, they're in safe neighborhoods and um, you know have a, a obviously our global goal and partnership is making sure they have a safe place to sleep at night and so they can get to school and learn and become become active, active and you, citizens. You, you just mentioned something. I'm, I'm just I'm just bouncing things off here. I, I just read yesterday that the governor has named his property tax task force, and there are two Missoulians on that task force. One is Representative Shane Morjo, and the other is uh, a, a woman who's been on our show several times, uh, Sandra Vasica, our city councilor from Ward Six, who just narrowly won her seat back recently. And, yes. Uh, so uh, I had a chance to visit with her last night. Just a little bit. Can't don't know much about it yet. She hasn't been to any meetings, but she's very excited about about sharing her perspectives uh, from a local on the on the ground level in in a, in a ward in Missoula. We're thrilled. We're thrilled that one of our city council members is part of the task force. It's very important that a city the the size and complexity of Missoula is represented. There's also a, 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 a city commissioner from Helena. So um, and then so I think the I looked there's at, like 26 people on the yeah. commission. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a, a good uh, diverse um, 
list of people from all sorts of different backgrounds. So we're delighted that both uh, Representative Shane Morjo and uh, Councilwoman Sandra Vasinka are on the uh, on the task force. It's going to be good. We're going to work together and help to get information back and forth from that task force. Well, I will tell you if anything if anything has caused more more uh, buzz in in the state. Than property taxes over the last year and a half or so. I, I can't think of what it might be. Uh, and, and I will tell you, uh, it, it affects every single person that owns property in Montana, whether it's business or residential. Well, you're exactly right, Peter. And it also affects people who rent both right. uh, yeah. office space and uh, retail space, but also renting their home. You know, those property taxes pass through to folks that are renting. So, uh, Let's let let let's go back to the beginning. The first question I wanted to ask you: How are you doing? I, I mean, uh, the, you 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 were just elected not long ago. You've never held public office before, and you're you dove into the deep end of the pool, <laughs> and and you even went to Harvard uh, to uh, if you want to call it mayor school. Yeah. So uh, we haven't had a chance to talk to you about that since you got back. Well, thank you for asking. It's been fantastic. Um, first and foremost. People in the community are incredibly enthusiastic, and that energy is something that really propels me. And the city staff have been enormously supportive. It is a wonderful team of people. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there she is right there. That's right, Jenny Merriam <laughs> on the other on the other microphone here. Um, and that experience has been um, has been really wonderful, especially after transitioning out of a long career um, with what I was doing, building homes that Montanans can afford, and leaving a wonderful organization homeward. Um, it's it's it makes a, a soft landing, I guess you could say. Now that now that you are mayor, uh, how how are you settling in? I, I, obviously, it takes time to you, you you're putting a staff together, you create a schedule, and and once once the routine starts, then you're able to stretch out and and expand your mind to more things. But uh, it, it's it's the one, two, three, four, five, six priority things that have to come first. That, I mean, that's right. Exactly. And so much of this time period, I've been in office about, what well, we said the other day, 56 days? 54 days. 54, 54 days. All right. Day 54. Okay. Day 54. And um, uh, much of much of this time is really orientation, you know, getting to know really how um, the the current city um, offices and, and workflow is, is working. Mm-hmm. You mentioned I went to Harvard and that was a scholarship program offered through uh, the Bloomberg Philanthropies. There were 27 cities represented. And so I had the opportunity to meet 26 cohorts from all over the country, from all different kinds of And these were all new mayors, all new, new mayors. newly elected or newly appointed, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And, and um, that's exactly right. And the opportunity is really to help you make the most of your first 100 days and just become the, the most efficient and effective that you can be. There's not really any sort of... Uh, Having been an executive director in the nonprofit industry, there are trainings and there are there's executive coaching and support, um, and even in the corporate world, same thing. Uh, I wouldn't say there's much for that for an elected <laughs> official like a mayor. So that's what this was in a lot of ways. Right. Um, so that's been really helpful and effective. And and now that I'm in and um, really getting, um, it's it's been nice to have the month and a half at the end of 2023 to really get my feet underneath me and um, feel like I could get a cadence a little bit, kind of a little slower cadence with the holidays, which was kind of nice. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't know if slow is a really good operative word, but um, now that we've hit uh, the new year, we've uh, we've got a couple new council members and uh, opportunity for us to work together. We're up against a break. Phone lines are open, by the way. If you have a question for Mayor Andrea Davis, give us a call at 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. So we'll be right back with more of Talk Back right after this.
And we are back on Talkback. 721-1290 is our number. It's City Talk, and we'd love to have the City Talk. So if you have a question or a comment for Mayor Andrea Davis, uh, give us a call at 721-1290. All right, so... The uh, in in lieu of in lieu of phone calls, let's let's talk about what you want to talk about. Okay. Uh, obviously, there are things that that you uh, that you have goals you've already set for yourself, uh, goals for the city, and the things that people. I, I imagine when you're when you're in the grocery store or uh, a church or whatever, people I'm sure buttonhole you all the time and say, "Hey, have you thought about this? And have you thought about that?" Well, what what are people asking you about specifically? Most recently, uh, when I was at uh, Wednesday evening, I was at my first uh, Citizens Law Academy. So, uh, as you know, the Missoula Police Department has done a law academy for many years, and um, over the pandemic, that has basically taken a break. So, the last one they had done was in uh, 2019. Mm-hmm. So, um, I there was. Was a constituent there who had asked me if I could get a turn light out malfunction junction. <laughs> there you go. So you know that happens yeah, uh, yeah. all the time. And um, but you know, I mean, there's some other. I mean, questions. Um, I mean, it ranges. I mean, quite quite literally from some very kind of tactile things like that all the right. way up to um, you know, what are we going to do about um, a, a, a school's growing past capacity? How are we going to address you know home purchase prices? Um, and you know, just a whole host. Of different things, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm sure you uh, you were here, but we're, uh, I, I was pretty much deeply involved in the creation of what they call malfunction junction, yeah, and 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 the and the solutions. I mean, they, they wanted to do an underpass or an overpass, or uh, let's just blow the whole thing up and start over again. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I think they they worked it out so that people now know which way to go after a few years. Yep. It took a little while, but uh, now people seem to be able to get along okay. Yeah, I think so. I, uh, there's always opportunities, especially as we we grow and Montana grows. Right. Uh, not only do we have more people living in uh, adjacent communities, but uh, we have more visitors to yeah. our area. Yeah. And so I will tell you that engineering and public works are constantly thinking about ways to improve uh, traffic flow. And um, and it takes planning and it takes years of planning because yeah. you have to put those capital improvements on a list and get them improved by city council and then figure out the funding packages to get that done. But a lot of that is about efficiency. We do have a caller on the line. Al is waiting to visit with you. Al, you're on with Mayor Andrea Davis. Go ahead, please. Yes, uh, I have a question about the city buses in Missoula, but before I ask that, I wanted to give you congratulations on winning the mayor's job. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Uh, 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 I did not vote for you, nor did I vote for your competitor, but uh, that's beside the point. Water under the bridge. Congratulations. Thank you. I and appreciate I, that. I just want to thank you for your vote for me, Al. That was very <laughs> kind of you. <laughs> I, I, I was seriously thinking about that. Uh, <laughs> only because Peter. you know. No, only because you know I'd I never win. Very, <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, uh, Peter was fourth on my list. I won't tell you the other three. Uh, anyway, the, the, the city buses, uh, the free city buses. When that started uh, being free, uh, I have worse than senior disease, so please correct me or fill me in. When the city buses became free, uh, whenever that was, wasn't there several businesses in town that helped, uh, that chipped in some money to help pay for that? And I'm going to just 
say maybe both the hospitals and the university uh, chipped in money to help pay for that and if they did are they still doing that or uh, I'll just hang up and listen to your answer. Thank hey, you. Thanks for the call. Excellent question Al. Thank you. And by the way your memory is excellent. So uh, when Mountain Line, um, so just as also a little bit of context, um, they are city buses with a low, with a lower KC and what I mean by that is that Mountain Line is its own taxing jurisdiction. It is not part of city government. It's not part of county government. Um, similar to how the school district is, it's its own jurisdiction. Um, but however, the mayor uh, does appoint half of the board of directors and the county commissioners appoints the other half. So that's how we have connection with local government. And when uh, Mountain Line Board of Directors chose to go zero fare, there was um, around a $450,000 operating gap from the uh, fares that were um, calculated. And so you're right, local businesses did chip in to make, to fill that gap, some of which were our, our local hospitals. And in fact, the organization that I uh, was the director of all those years, Homeward, we actually contributed money too, because we used to buy our residents in Missoula bus passes wow. because we really wanted to help clear barriers to affordability and transportation. So we just shifted that money over to Mountain Line. Now I can tell you over time as Mountain Line, um, first of all, Zero Fare became extremely popular. Um, a lot, think about this, you know, a 12-year-old kid 13-year-old kid wants to run down to the mall. Now mom and dad don't have to worry about have that kiddo having the exact change in their pocket. People also took smaller trips. So Mountain Lion's ridership uh, really exceeded expectations. And then over time, it became clear that the efficiency of not having to actually track and charge for fares, because, you know, when people get on the bus, they're digging around their pockets for change, and you've got the driver that's actually having to manage the the change itself. And, the, and over time, <clears throat> they found that Zero fare was so popular and so effective that they worked in the cost of that into the um, last mill levy. So local businesses and and local government is no longer um, zero fare partners in terms of financial com- contribution that way. But we all share that through our property taxes now. Okay, but let's uh, get uh, to we're, we're up against a break. Actually, we're going to come right back. And uh, I thought we had a caller, but I uh, guess not. So anyway, if you if you would like to talk with Mayor Andrea Davis, she is here to talk to you. That's why it's called. City Talk. And so uh, she's here to answer your questions and your concerns. I realize it's it's a brutally cold day, but she made it through. And along with Jenny Merriam, we appreciate them uh, coming down to the studio today during this very inclement weather. We're going to come right back with more of Talk Back, hopefully with your phone calls right after this. Welcome back. This is Talk Back. Go. Phone love, phone calls coming in. 721-1290 is our number. 1-800-568-5309. Our guest in the studio is Mayor Andrea Davis. Uh, she, this is her first official visit as mayor uh, in City Talk, and so we're thrilled to have her. I believe we have uh, Paul on the line right now. Paul, good morning. You're on with Mayor Davis. Go ahead. What's your question, sir? My, my question is, I just noticed that Duluth, Minnesota also went to is going to free busing and the problem i see with mountain lion and and the city is that when you went to the free bus ride and it took off a a very um concrete measurement of the number of passengers um and i said you know the number of passengers um made no sense when they said that a million passengers rode in one year given the number of buses um, and this was years ago, but that's about the same time that they decided that to take no passenger fares. And passenger fares would be a real concrete number for the actual number of passengers. And I still think the numbers have been inflated. Um, and then the other issues I have are conflicts of interest with having council members from out mine on 
who who work for Mountain Lion, and then also Homeward, who you've been involved with, and, and Emily Brock is involved in Homeward, and they you know get government you know funds or lands or whatever, um, and it seems to be a huge conflict of interest. And I just wonder how you you can avoid thoughts about corruption charges um, not being. Um, in the public mind, I guess, is the best way to put it. All right. Paul, thanks Thanks for the call. So, Yeah, yeah. Paul, thanks for your questions. Um, first of all, I think the best way that we can help uh, 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 solve for people's questions is by sharing factual information. So I'll start with uh, uh, Zero Fare. Um, in fact, uh, passenger fares was not an accurate way to track the number of riders. I can see how you would think that. But Mountain Line invested in automatic passenger counters and so that meant that people every time somebody stepped on the bus it automatically counts them mountain lion actually has a much better understanding and a more concrete understanding of the number of rides those one million riders that you referenced was actually one million rides so you might have somebody taking two three four rides a day and that's how it got to one million so that might help answer your question about why it was so large second of all you mentioned um emily brock she used to be um a county employee and then she used to be on city council. She does not have any um, city, uh, she, has, she does no work for Homeward, so sorry about that, your confusion there. But um, how I would manage any kind of conflict of interest is that you're always open and transparent about it. Conflicts do happen, as you can imagine, not only with city government, but also with uh, local businesses. You may have somebody that is a beneficiary with one contract sitting on a board of directors for another. Um, in terms of uh, city government, you might have somebody volunteering for uh, planning board that also is a uh, representative from a local development organization or an engineer. It's very important that that conflict is um, made clear and transparent. And that is the way that we as a society uh, manage that kind of conflict. Certainly, I know we're all aware of some very deep-seated um, challenges and issues like, for example, when people are in and out of government and then they go to lobbying. And that's why in the state of Montana, for example, there is a time period by which you have served in state government and before you can go back as an official lobbyist, there is a there's actually a, a moratorium period of time because we as the citizens of Montana feel that that's the ethical thing to do. You're right. I want to talk a little bit about uh, about uh, the electric buses because there, there's been all sorts of national uh, 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 news about, you know, batteries blowing up and getting like catching fire and that sort of thing. And wanted to find out are, are, are the batteries that we have on our buses, are they durable? Are they are they? Dependable. Uh, I'm just wondering. Uh, yes, they are, and that is a great question. Battery technology, of course, is evolving, just like anything, um, you know, uh, in in the space. But but uh, just about anything with transportation these days. Uh, Mountain Lion does have a, f- a couple of different manufacturers that have provided their electric buses, and um, the one that they're working with right now, which of course I can't remember the name of the actual. Um, company, mm-hmm. but they have been proven to be the most durable, the most appropriate for cold weather. Um, and that is absolutely uh, an issue that they take into consideration. Um, but yeah, I mean, electric batteries that, uh, that burn, um, and it, that is um, something that is, of course, top of mind. And it certainly gets a lot of media attention. Yeah, when it that certainly happens. does, right. Um, but I'm not familiar with any buses that's happened to. I've only been familiar with some Tesla. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so, so Elon Musk is not on the board. <laughs> right. <laughs> Talk about a conflict of interest there. All right. So, uh, 
so tell tell us what else you what else you're working on. I I, I really am hoping that people would call. Oh, we do have a we do have a caller, Candy. Candy, good morning. You're on with Mayor Davis. Go ahead. What's on your mind, ma'am? Yes, uh, I want to go back to the electric buses. How does anybody in America justify child labor for this mining? Child labor, child molestation, child rape, child abuse in these other countries. And you just go over that whole thing when children are being marketed to uh, mine this uh, cobalt and whatever they have in the batteries. How do you not recognize that? and justify that within your own soul. Okay, Candy, thanks for the call. All right, Mayor Davis. Uh, Candy, if I was aware of anything specific like that, that I would do my best to make sure that we were doing what we could to, to stop any kind of purchases that would uh, promote um, that kind of behavior. I think it's really challenging in almost any kind of product, and I'm going to bring up something as basic as a an electrical breaker, something you might not think about uh, right now, but electrical breakers are um, basically it's how we get around, how we function and how we keep warm, how we are basically able to talk to you on a microphone right now. And these breakers are um, also have componentry from all over the world. And I do think it's incumbent upon us as a society to uh, understand the sourcing of the materials. And you bring up very um, legitimate concerns around environmental degradation and um, and labor laws around the world. And it is challenging. Um, I don't think that local government or even businesses in the United States probably have a very good understanding of some of the impacts of the uh, material sourcing for, um, in particular for some of the, the newer technologies that we're depending on to continue to manage our, our electricity and energy demands in the United States and in Montana. Uh, but thank you for raising your concern. I do think it's something that we all should be more aware of. All right. So uh, we're up against another break. 721-1290 is our number. Our mayor, Andrea Davis, is joining us here in the studio. She's here to answer your questions and uh, take your phone calls for the next 18 minutes or so. So uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'll be right back after this time out. One more reason. I'm Ben Affleck, and I want to thank you for joining me and supporting Paralyzed Veterans of America. I joined the Navy to serve my country while parachuting with Michael Toon. My parachute didn't open. I broke my neck. Thanks to PVA, paralyzed veterans are getting specialized medical care and treatments, the jobs they want, and the accessible vehicles and homes they need. I just don't think my family would be as happy as they are without the support that I received from Paralyzed Veterans of America. Learn more at pva.org. Chris Jackamick, I served in the United States Air Force and I deployed three times. So in 2017, I was serving as an Air Force First Sergeant. Our motto in that role is my job is people, everyone is my business. But unfortunately in that year, I would lose my own brother, Lance Corporal Adam Jackamick, to suicide. The majority of veteran suicides are from guns. I store my weapons securely, not only for myself, but for my family. Store all your guns securely. Help stop suicide. My service never stops. Brought to you by End Family Fire and the Ad Council. We are back. This is Talk Back, 721-1290. That's the number. Of course, Mayor Andrea Davis joining us here in the studio this morning uh, for City Talk. And the whole idea is to talk with folks in the city. So let's continue doing that. Uh, Jeff, good morning. Thanks for holding. You're on Talk Back. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning. Uh, I was kind of surprised that Missoula Schools didn't close today up here in uh, uh, Lake County, um, 
it's an emergency travel only order. So um, I was expecting an announcement in, in Missoula that they'd be closed. So, um, but my question is, uh, earlier caller talked about uh, electric vehicles, and thankfully, battery fires are rare on electric vehicles, um, but they do exist. And my question is around uh, what action the city would take um, the fire department specifically in the event that an electric vehicle does catch fire, particularly maybe in one of the city parking garages or St. Pat or, or one of the other parking structures where you have a very, very intense fire in a very, very enclosed space that could actually weaken a structure and uh, cause all sorts of problems. So has the city taken a look at that? Because right now the only way to actually uh, deal with a fire is to fill the vehicle up with water and kind of cool it down. It doesn't put the fire out. It just cools it down as the lithium burns and uh, and uh, eventually goes out. So do you know of any plans the city has to deal with that in, uh, in say, parking structures? Wow. Yeah, go ahead, Andrea. Yeah, excellent question, Jeff. Thank you. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know any specific plans, but I did write that down as a follow-up. I had the opportunity to meet with um, Adrian Beck, who is a county employee, and she is the, you probably interviewed her, right, Peter? Brilliant lady. Brilliant lady, exactly. Brilliant. And incredibly capable, right? She runs, she runs the, the city county emergency disaster office, and so there's a preparedness plan, both um, individually at the city and the county level, and then, of course, together when there's a large-scale disaster that we would need to respond to. Um, and the uh, I actually am curious if this um, has been visited by that group. I would expect that it probably has been, and also I'll, I'll raise this with our, our chief of, um, our fire chief, Gordy Hughes. I know we've had conversations, and I've had conversations um, casually around just the reality, as you mentioned, Jeff, of um, electric vehicle fires and how to basically um, manage the situation until they burn out. But I think you raise a really good question about what, how are we plan, how are we planning to handle that if it's in a structure? Yeah, I, I, I would imagine that would be that would be an extraordinarily difficult. Because uh, my wife works in St. Pat's, oh, right, yeah. and they have that huge parking garage, which is mm-hmm. very convenient, but. It's very the, the spaces are small and it's uh, it's difficult to get in and out of. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. I can imagine. Yeah, uh, I don't it, think you can get a fire vehicle down there. Uh, yeah, yeah. at all. So I mean, laying of hoses. Uh, would they have to come off the hydrants inside? Uh, is there? Uh, you know, I don't even know if they have any charging spots down there for vehicles to charge in. Uh, so you know, all all of that is kind of a, I think. Something that needs to be addressed. So thanks. Good point. Good All right. Point. Thanks for the call, Jeff. Uh, let's get Bubba on the line. Bubba, good morning. You're uh, you're on talk back with Mayor Andrea Davis. Go ahead. Hi. How's it going, guys? Uh, thanks for having me on. Just a quick question about development and uh, the green space. We have a lot of conflict going on around uh, homelessness, affordable housing, and at the same time, uh, it seems like we've. Uh, looked at our geography in the Missoula Valley here and decided that um, we can we can only build um, going each way down the valleys, the river valleys, right? And and so we've taken a lot of money from taxpayers and we've uh, bought what we call green space for animals and nature, and we really care a lot about that. Um, and, and I'm wondering how we reconcile that with affordable housing. 
because it takes away a lot of the uh, real estate that we could be using to build houses for people. Um, even if they were higher end houses, then it opens up and, and creates a, a space for uh, a, a more affordable housing elsewhere. All right. Bubba, um, Bubba. And so I'm wondering, if, yeah, if you could comment on that. Thank you. Bubba, thanks for the call. Yeah, I, I, I've wondered about that myself. Uh, mm-hmm. o- open space bonds, I'm looking and thinking, well, some of those open spaces are like, you know, almost vertical, right. you know, so, uh, but then, then there are others that, oh, why, 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 why couldn't we put a housing development in there? So please address, address that. Yeah, I would love to. Thank you, Bubba, for the question. Excellent question. Uh, you're right. I mean, we do have competing interests all over, right, in our community and, and society. That's uh, something we grapple with, and um, that's why we need to have thoughtful constituents and elected officials working through this. In terms of open space and the uh, open space bond and the public dollars that have gone to purchase conservation easements as well as recreational areas. Uh, first, I'll speak to conservation easements. Largely, that's been done in the county over the last several decades where we've had open space bond funds. And those have basically been easements that have been purchased by private property owners in which they wish to keep their farm, a working farm or ranch, but also um, keep it um, uh, as open space and available for wildlife corridors. Those areas are not generally um, uh, zoned um, for any kind of meaningful density that would impact any attainable uh, home. Um, I would also mention that the recreational areas like Marshall Mountain or Mount Deanstone here in the Missoula Valley that have been purchased with open space bond funds are not buildable lands. And so that is something um, where I, I did hear Bubba ask, even if you put one very expensive home on there, True, and maybe, but a lot of these areas are really not buildable, um, especially when I talk about the recreational areas. The last thing I'll mention is that the city has a growth policy that was uh, um a lot of community input in 2015 that has directed us to focus inward for just this reason. Um, we are in a valley. We are hemmed in by an interstate, a river, uh, uh, many state highways, mount- mountains around us, a lot of uh, public ownership of land. And so developable space is really a significant consideration in our valley. And so uh, fo- focusing inward allows us to um, build build up rather than build out and um, eat up some some very important farmland. That said, there still is farmland that is being developed as housing today, and um, that's why we have growth plans with community input, and why we have uh, uh, planning uh, documents um, where I hope folks are getting involved in that to help direct where and how housing should be built. Okay, let's get another call in before we have to take a break. Tom, good morning. You're on with uh, Mayor Andrea Davis. Go ahead, please. Yeah, good morning. Um, I'd just like to ask uh, the new mayor, I don't live in Missoula, but I own property, rental property there, um, what uh, her plan may be and the city council's plan to uh, to cut spending in the future uh, because the, uh, the city council and the f- former mayors have had an insatiable uh, desire to spend more money. Um, so uh, I just wondered if she knows about how much they're going to raise taxes the next time or if they're going to cut spending instead, uh, this, um, you know, I, I, I don't see, um, you know, the, the spending going down. So I'd like to know if you have any plans at all to cut spending and in how much you anticipate raising taxes in the future, because that's probably what's going to happen. So anyway. Thank you very much. Tom, thanks for the call. And we're going to take a one-minute timeout. And she's writing all this down. We'll answer that when we come back from the break. Uh, this is a one-minute timeout. We'll be right back. 
Okay, welcome back to Talk Back. 721 is our number. We just had uh, very specific questions uh, for Mayor Davis, so please go ahead. Yeah, th- uh, Tom, thank you for your question. We are just starting out 2024, and I was uh, talking with Peter on the break about how um, – I was planning out the first hundred days of, of, um, my administration. And one of the things that I'm eager to jump into is city budget and finance, which we already have. The plan for the approach to the uh, budgeting season, I could say, which generally starts in around February, March, is that we'll be doing, um, a program inventory with all of our departments, which will basically be, um, descriptors that will help understand the, the need, the desire, the want, the sources of funds. And so that is a way that we can evaluate the, uh, the the current expenditures in a way that um, we can present that information to council prior to the mayor's budget being complete. And I want to m- mention this: this is we're flip, we're flipping this on its head. The mayor, the executive budget is normally presented at the beginning of the process, and then city council hear from different departments, and departments are working in their budget um, uh, priorities. In this case, what I'd like to do is I'd like to have departments present in front of city council, which are all public meetings. Um, ahead of time, city council and the public would then have the opportunity to ask questions and provide input. And then my mayor's executive budget will then be the culmination of, uh, of that, uh, more. So it's more uh, of a collaboration. Mm-hmm. More of an engaged process. Okay. Yeah, All we're right. going to try that out. We're going to try that out. Right. right now, I do not have uh, any uh, figures in terms of a- anticipation of raising taxes. The other thing that I would uh, implore you to do, Tom, is pay attention to what is happening with the state uh, property tax in, uh, conversation and what's happening with um, where both local municipalities and counties are and what we're facing in terms of the the current property tax uh, structure system. Okay, let's uh, move along and get Mike on the line. Mike, good morning. You're on Talkback with Mayor Davis. Go ahead. Oh, good morning. Uh, congratulations on your win. Thank you, Mike. I, I met you briefly last spring up at Snowball at the end of the day. A uh, friend of mine, you were talking to her, but she's in East Missoula, and I'm actually on the west side of Missoula, so <laughs> you did have my vote. I Is never it? had anybody knock on my door other than that. So uh, anyway, congratulations on that. And uh, <laughs> I have kind of an odd question here or statement. Um cup of motel that's been gutted and is getting worked on. It's on the same side as St. Pat's, but a couple blocks uh, east of there. I went by there a month ago, and there's three white stretch fans, all identical, with Utah plates on them, with uh, all look like Mexican employees or workers or Hispanic, and uh, I'm not trying to put them down here. I'm I'm concerned, though, that they're, hope they're not getting treated as slave labor I've, maybe I've watched too much of that escaping polygamy, but uh, within the Mormon culture, sometimes the employers are pretty unfair. So mm-hmm. I just wondered if there was anyone within the city that checks on something like that, or would that be more like the labor union? Mike, thank you for your question. Uh, first of all, uh, and also thank you for your support. I appreciate that. So the the project that you are talking about is a project that the Pavarello Center is underway with, and they are utilizing... Okay federal dollars through the Veterans Administration. The the Pavarillo Center has a program that directly benefits uh, veterans that are homeless. And um, the opportunity to convert that long-stay motel into more of a single-room occupancy or small apartment um, project for veterans is what what you're talking about. The the construction uh, crew are most most likely, yeah, subcontractors from out of state. And um, I think that's probably something new 
we are seeing, but I can tell you that, you know, many people that are um, of the um, uh, his, Hispanic descent, um, um, but that are legal migrants and or residents, maybe they're holding a green card, maybe they're actually a citizen, are in the construction trades in the United States. And because construction is booming in ways in Montana that we don't have the labor force to support, we are seeing more general contractors bring in um, subcontractors and labor force from outside of the state. That is a, a, a function of the economy and um, the reality of Montana's labor force. And that said, I would, uh, I would say that um, it's incumbent upon the general contractor um, to make sure that they are abiding by all labor laws. The city does not go and check for immigration status, um, but we, of course, would follow up with any complaints, as would the labor unions. And um, and I would implore us all to not jump, on, and I don't think you are, Mike, um, not jump to conclusions because maybe people are speaking another language that they are not citizens. Um, I know that that's a little bit different here in this part of the country sometimes, um, but things are changing. And the last thing I'd like to say in respect to this is that labor um, is in short supply across many industries and in particular construction. We spoke about this. this yeah, week. yeah, we did. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's an area that as, uh, as a municipality, we certainly are at the table. In fact, right now, um, you and I, yeah, you and I talked about the Good Jobs, Great Cities mm-hmm. program that right. the city of Missoula is engaged in. Trying to get more in. women in the in the uh, right. workforce, yeah. Exactly right. There are a real need in the to trades. make sure. Yeah, yeah, women in the trades. And it's a real opportunity for us to make sure that um, we are uh, uh, encouraging people who may have non, not traditionally been involved in the trades to uh, to get in and get involved in these in this good work. So thanks for your question, Mike. That's great. You bet. Oh. Yeah, I'm, well, uh, can I just say a couple comments? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, I grew up in Great Falls, and I've, I've been a house painter. I have a college degree. I came here for that, but I've been a house painter for 42 years. So, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm. I'm all. I'm. I consider myself a liberal Democrat. Um, I'm. I just was worried about their their conditions. I was. I, I'm all for them working if it's legitimate and that. They're not. I was more concerned that they're maybe getting taken advantage of. Was what was my concern was. So, yeah, right thanks on. for that. I appreciate that and. uh yeah. Thank thanks you. For, thanks, uh, Mike. I hope to see you on the slopes. The okay, sounds good. <laughs> keep, 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 keep up the good work. Thank, thanks for the call. Yeah. We, we have about a minute and a half left, and I, we really don't have time to, to give another caller uh, uh, the, uh, the, the time they deserve. But we, we have about a minute and a half, so I'm going to leave that to you. Uh, oh. uh, wrap up your first you know, couple, of, uh, couple of months as mayor and, and tell us what you've enjoyed and what, some of the challenges that you've uh, run up against. Oh. Thank you for the opportunity. First of all, I'd love to say I'm excited to get in um, to, like I mentioned, the budgeting uh, process and cycle with city council. City council is uh, under new leadership as well with a new president and vice president. So that's uh, President Amber Sherrill and Vice President Mirta Becerra. And um, and with any new leadership as well with a new mayor, there's, you know, different ideas for how we may approach things. And so um, there, I think, is going to be a great opportunity for council moving forward in terms of how they um, share and work uh, information and work on some tough t- some tough challenges and, and topics coming up. Um, some of the most challenging things for me so far has been um, my schedule. Um, managing so many meetings and so much demand um, and wanting then to also be able to put things on my own calendar, right, and make sure that the things that are... Um, uh, everything's a priority, of course, but right. making sure that I have some room to do some things like... Today, being able to get out and read to elementary school kids is kind of a rarity. We are out of time. Thank you.
Thank, thank you thanks very much. So. Uh, Jenny, thanks so much. Appreciate you being here as well. Appreciate it. And uh, so what's coming up on Monday's fabulous program, Mr. Nick? Uh, we're going to talk uh, with some folks about uh, beating cancer from 810 to 820. And then it's the KGBO Book Club with uh, Mike and Dad. Have a great weekend, everybody.